What's going on, everyone? Welcome into the PFN Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Kyle Yates, and I'm your host. I can be found on Twitter at KyleYNFL. I'm joined here today by Derek Tate. He can be found on Twitter at DerekTateNFL. Derek, I will come back to you in a minute. We are also joined here, the first repeat guest on the PFN Fantasy Football Podcast this season. That is Murph. He can be found on Twitter at Murph underscore NFL. Murph, how are we doing here today, my friend? Oh, pleasure to be back. Um, I'll try and make sure I don't tip uh, another serious injury this time, like uh, like last time. <laughs> I'm surprised oh, that was Nick Chubb, wasn't that it? That was Nick Chubb, <laughs> wasn't it? That's right. The YouTube comments after that one were like, uh, you, as you recommended Jerome Ford as a pickup, the waiver wire was like, is Murph like secretly into dark magic here? Like, what is going on? He forecasted the Nick Chubb injury here. Uh, yeah, let's let's not try to do that here. It's the advantage of being on the other side of the world, you see. Um, we're ahead of you on time difference, although it's all screwy this week because we've had our daylight savings. Yours is next week. So it's really threw me off of like what time of day it is now. Yeah, <laughs> don't even, you guys. let's not even get into that whole conversation of daylight savings because that makes zero sense to me. Derek, how are yeah. you today, my friend? No, I'm just surprised with, well, you know, Murph last time, you know, kind of foreshadowing what was going to happen to Nick Chubb. I'm surprised he didn't show up and, you know, one day before Halloween in like a little death Ooh, outfit, yeah. you know, yeah. like a skeleton with the black hoodie and everything like that. Scythe. <laughs> it's good to have you back though, brother. I'm so happy that you're here. Oh, cheers, mate. I appreciate it. It's good to be back and it's uh, good to rep uh, this side of the pond. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to talking about waiver wire pickups because uh, whilst this week isn't strong, there's some definite uh, talent on here that we need to be concentrated on and picking up. Well, let's not foreshadow an injury, but let's talk about an injury that happened here yesterday. Let's talk about the fantasy fallout here of Kirk Cousins. Now, it it seemed like yesterday there were so many injuries that happened, and all of them were to quarterbacks. I mean, we saw Matthew Stafford, Kenny Pickett, and of course, we're reacting to everything here at PFNFantasy.com. We're giving you all the instant injury analysis and what it means for fantasy football, and it just seemed like it was nonstop. And then, of course, here comes the big one with Kirk Cousins, and you could see from his body language, mm-hmm. as soon as this happened, he knew that it was a big injury injury here something that was incredibly painful for him looks like we as we are recording this here monday morning we do not have official confirmation yet that this is a torn achilles for kirk cousins however all signs are pointing to that kirk cousins is going to be done here for the year so i want to talk about the fantasy fallout here because now we're going to be looking at minnesota either hunting around on the trade market for someone like ryan Tannehill. they're going to be looking at the free agent quarterback market like a i mean maybe colt mccoy maybe carson wentz let's wait and see what happens there, but none of them are pretty options compared to Kirk Cousins. The big one that I want to talk about here, though, is what do we do with Justin Jefferson? Because Justin Jefferson does not have the contract here in Minnesota, and now that there is no Kirk Cousins, do we see Justin Jefferson potentially even coming back this year? Derek, I want to talk to you here first about Justin Jefferson. How are we approaching this situation as Justin Jefferson currently on IR, but slated to come back here in a couple weeks? So there's a competitor in Justin Jefferson, right? And this team has battled all the way back from a rough start. So you would think just because you lose your leading man, you know, yeah, it's unfortunate. And this team, you can tell this locker room, even the head coach, you can hear, you know, Kevin O'Connell, just how he spoke so glowingly of Kirk Cousins in such a like a a somber tone to it. Uh, Certainly, this is a big blow. But this team, you know, in a division, you know, I understand the Detroit Lions are, are kind of the cream of the crop right now. But, you know, the Vikings are back in the mix for a wild card spot. And if Justin Jefferson is fully healthy to go or good to go, I think that he'll be back at some point. I'm not sure he's going to rush back. Certainly, they're going to take it as cautious as they need to. But I don't I don't see Justin Jefferson, the competitor in him and the way that this team is battled. I don't see him just sitting out the rest of the year because of a hamstring injury. Maybe I'm a little bit delusional. Maybe I'm trying to look past it. Um, But I I still believe even if uh, Justin Jefferson, I still have him as like a a top 10 rest of the season guy. I just, we, we need a little bit more clarification as to when he comes back to have an idea of where to rank him and what his trade value is right now. All right, there's one Vikings wide receiver. Let's talk about the other one here, Murph. Jordan Addison. How are we approaching Jordan Addison now from a rest-of-season perspective now that we know that it's not going to be Kirk Cousins? Obviously, who they bring in at quarterback, whether they roll with Jaron Hall as their, their, you know, who's the backup quarterback who came in for Kirk Cousins yesterday. There's a ton of variables here, but just ballpark it for me. What are we doing with Jordan Addison now? I think Jordan Addison is in this really awkward stage where he's clearly the target hog but if they if we're going to see this sort of offense not throw the ball half as much don't forget they've got two very capable running backs on the ground here in Madison and, and Cam Akers it's going to be very difficult to see I mean 
whilst whilst we've got Jefferson out, I still think Addison's a play. I still think you play him. I think you've got to. But I tell you what, it really murkies the water when we get some clarification on, on Justin Jefferson. But I think he, he's probably the biggest loser fantasy-wise of the whole weekend because Jaron Hall is not going to be... I mean, Jaron Hall really is the third quarterback. They had Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins at the start of the season, he was the backup. He's on IR. So, you know, Jaron Hall is is a QB3. He's not a traditional backup. Right. So I, I do think that the Vikings will approach the trade market. I think they will bring someone in. The NFC's bad, right? For them to get a wild card is not a... It's not a big reach, even with a, a reasonable backup quarterback, you know, or someone they bring in. I, I, I think they'll be fine, but I think this week's going to be a bit of a, a, a rough ride. But luckily, the trade deadline is very, very soon. It's only the next yep. sort of 24, 48 hours. So we should know a lot more and at least we'll be able to plan accordingly. This isn't going to be a long, drawn out process. We're even going to know that at quarterback, they're going to be okay. And then Addison will be okay until Jefferson comes back. I'm with Derek. I think Der- uh, Jefferson comes back because I think the Vikings will get into the, the wild card conversation, barring. Unless they don't get a quarterback. That's the only right. way. If, if Jaron Hall is the quarterback from now until the end of the season, I doubt they make it. But who's getting in over them in like the top seven? You're only going to get one from the south. You're probably only going to get one from the north. So, because I, I don't see the Packers, don't see the Bears getting in. Um, nope. <laughs> so, you know really it's it, like the commanders is probably the only team and i can't even imagine that really happening over right. the vikings so I, I think the vikings are almost a lock if they can just get somebody in a quarterback and i think as a result addison will be fine but he won't be as good this is a huge loss to both players i think both of them are going to take a, a, a hit and addison will take a definite more of a hit once jefferson comes back but in the meantime yep. he's a player you've got to you've got to just ride it out now and and hope for the best <laughs> Yep, as Murph was talking there, it just it becomes even more clear. Like there are so many variables here to determine where exactly Jordan Addison and even Justin Jefferson land in the rest of season rankings. Make sure that you stay glued to PFNFantasy.com because we will break it all down for you as soon as we have all that information here to discuss where Jordan Addison lands after this Kirk Cousins injury. Guys, if you are listening to this over on the podcast, first off, take 30 seconds out of your day, rate and review the podcast. Helps us out in a major way. Leave a five-star rating. We always appreciate seeing those come through. Also, you can watch the show here over on YouTube, youtube.com slash PFN fantasy. If you're watching, hit that like button, subscribe to the channel and click that bell to get notified for when our new content drops. Let's get into the running back waiver wire discussion here for week nine. Feels crazy to say week nine already here, but let's get into it. Derek, I'm going to send it to you first. Number five running back pickup on the week. So this one, I, I kind of kicked around moving up a little bit higher, but Zach Charbonnet, um, saw a pretty similar workload to that of Kenneth Walker in a game that was pretty hotly contested against the Cleveland Browns. He was seeing significant snaps when the game was still very much in the balance, and we saw him efficient. You know, five carries, 53 yards, and then, you know, two receptions for 11 yards. I, granted, the, the numbers don't jump off the page, but it's more so the usage uh, in his role in this offense feels like it's pretty solidified uh very talented back in his own right and we know that kenneth walker was on the injury report earlier this week so certainly that's kind of worth monitoring and zach charbonnet's efficient outing against a pretty stout cleveland defense certainly warrants maybe a stash uh, and maybe even a spot start in deeper leagues uh, for PPR formats. I definitely think he is worth having on the radar here as we move further and further down the stretch here for uh, a roster that is looking to make a fantasy football playoff push to have that depth here in case something were to happen. God forbid to Kenneth Walker, Zach Charbonnet would instantly vault up the rankings. Murph, did Zach Charbonnet crack the top five running backs for you? Yeah, he's my number three this week um, for similar reasons. Uh, he did outsnap Kenneth Walker thirty-one to twenty-four on uh, on in yesterday's game, but I think we've seen this design from Pete Carroll before. He likes two backs. He likes to share the workload. And again, we've talked about how bad the NFC is. We're going to see the Seahawks rest Kenneth Walker. He is going to get less work. He's clearly the more talented back. He's clearly the more explosive back. But I think you're going to see Zach Charbonnet get more and more work now. He's had his induction. He's ready to go. He's healthy. He had some challenges at the start of the season. I think you're going to see a two-headed monster, which are both going to be fantasy viable, at, certainly for the next few weeks. I think you'll see Walker take a bit of a rest uh, in workload a little bit towards the end of the season as they get ready for the playoffs. So good news fantasy owners. Stash him now. 
you're not going to get him this cheap uh, again. I I would expect. I think this is the last time you could probably get in on him. It's interesting too. Kenneth Walker, 28 touches in week seven here uh, up against the Arizona Cardinals and then comes back here this past week. And obviously you see the dip in opportunity and Zach Charbonnet more involved. So I think that that speaks to what you're saying here, Murph, that I think Pete Carroll monitoring the workload here for Kenneth Walker, realizing they've got Zach Charbonnet who can easily handle a, a massive workload himself to be able to step in and help shoulder that load here for Kenneth Walker. Derek, let's send it back to you. Number four running back pickup on the week. You know, the game script seems to kind of dictate this backfield for the Washington Commanders. And although it was a little bit awkward seeing that the Commanders jumped out to a pretty big lead against the Philadelphia Eagles and then, of course, squandered it because it's the Commanders and that's how things are going in 2023 for them. But it's still Antonio Gibson, you know, catching a season-high five receptions um, for 28 yards in a PPR format. I'm still seeing involvement in the game uh, or in the – you know, passing game in particular for, for Antonio Gibson. I've not blown away from what I saw or what I've seen recently from Brian Robinson. Certainly to start the year, it seemed like he was the bell cow back and Gibson was merely just a change of pace guy. But in recent weeks, I feel like we've been seeing a little bit more of Antonio Gibson. And I think that's going to continue to be the case for a team that is really struggling on the defensive side of the football against opposing passing attacks. And uh, Gibson feels like a, a good stash and maybe even a spot start option in DPR, deep PPR leagues. Yeah, I do think that the deep PPR leagues is the qualification here for Antonio Gibson because we've been down this road so many times before. But this <laughs> also speaks to the level of depth at the running back waiver wire position here this week. It's not a very, very strong week in general. Antonio Gibson in deep leagues still worth monitoring here. Murph, let's send it back to you. Number four running back pickup on the week. Yeah, so I've gone with uh, with Taji Spears. I think I talked about him the last time I was here. He's still under fifty percent owned, which is which is what. Look, I don't expect Derek Henry to get traded. I didn't think he was going to get traded. I've never bought into the fact he was going to get traded. Taji Spears is going to be fantasy relevant here for the rest of the season, especially in those deep PPR leagues. He's seeing an increased workload. He's got a decent amount of snaps. He's definitely catching down back, which is something that we we've never really seen out of Henry, and something that we're still continuing not to see. But he's explosive when he's on the field. He makes plays. And that's what I like about it. And then you've got someone who is flex-worthy, and I said this again, and I'll say it again, but someone with elite upside. If something was to happen to Derek Henry, if he magically gets traded tomorrow, which I don't expect, but let's say he did. This is I'm going away from the injury and going with trade prediction because it's safer. No one will kill me right. for it. <laughs> um, then Tajay Spears <laughs> automatically becomes like a top 15 running back uh, for the rest of the season. So, uh, you know, I think you're buying in now for insurance but he is also in those deeper leagues a start worthy play he is seeing just enough volume to keep it interesting and i think that will increase i think that will increase especially now we've got will levis we've got a whole new dimension in this offense i i'm excited i think tajay spears is someone who can be a sneaky ad not too expensive but someone that you can definitely get some value out of it's so funny. I feel like we have talked about Tajay Spears every <laughs> single week on the waiver wire. Yeah, I feel like we have, and that may not be an exaggeration here. Tajay Spears, though, the interesting portion in all of this, obviously, is, you know, we'll find out very, very quickly if Derrick Henry is going to be traded here from the Tennessee Titans, but you mentioned it too, Murph, is the Will Levis component here. Levis looked great mm. yesterday. And if that ability to push the ball deep downfield can open things up even more so for the running game here, Tajay Spears, we've been talking about the upside. I think that that might even be more so now that we have that Will Levis component of being able to open the offense up. Derek, let's send it back to you. Running back three pickup on the week. I'm not sure what to do with Mr. DeMarcado down there in Arizona, but, you know, he was a big popular waiver wire pickup, appeared on this show, felt like the guy, and then we saw Keontae Ingram and uh, a host of other backs, you know, basically re render him useless on a two-week or two-carry game against the Los Angeles Rams back in week six. And all he's done since then is see 33 carries, dominate the work out of the backfield, and look like the guy for at least one more week while James Conner is still ineligible and on injured reserve. So... If you're in need of a running back this week, he is going up against Cleveland, and I don't see the rest of season value for DeMarcado, which is why he's not number one on my list um, as far as waiver wire pickups at the running back position because I just don't see the rest of the season value. But certainly this week he carries some value against the Cleveland Browns. 
Murph, what are your thoughts here on Amari Di Mercado going into week nine? Wait, so what? I think he is the ad for me. I'm going to slightly be contrarian to Derek here. I just buy in the volume. So at the end of the day, he had 20 rushing attempts yesterday against Baltimore. Like at the end of the day, this is a team that isn't going to play Kyler Murray next week. We know that already. So we know they're going to run the football and we know that Di Mercado is the only ticket in town. I don't care how good the defense is. At the end of the day, 20 times he averages four yards a carry. That's 80 yards. Just pure basic math is almost like a flaw. So, and then you get any receiving points out of that, you're away at the races uh, with Dimacada. So I think if you're desperate with the buys, with all the injuries we're seeing at the position, there's no way that Dimacado falls outside the top 25 this week, just on volume alone, which makes him startable. And that's just, I think if you can get a starter off the wave wire for one week, two weeks, I think you've got to pay up for it, especially at this point in the season. You can't afford, especially if you've got four losses, five losses already, you can't afford too many more losses. You're going to have to pay up and get Demacado off your waiver wire. And then we don't know what's happening with James Connor. I'm not seeing a huge drop-off here uh, in terms of production on the on the ground. So I think if they're not going to be in a rush to bring Connor back, we're going to have to wait. For, and also we've seen him, he comes back too early, he gets injured again. So I think right. they will be very, very patient with Connor and won't bring him back until he's absolutely ready. Wouldn't be surprised if they shut him down to the bye. So, and they've got a late bye, 14. So I think Demacado, I think you get a few weeks production out of him personally. Yeah, that's the the thing too. James Connor not eligible to return until week 10. However, that is like at the earliest and we have zero clarification on where he's at in that recovery process, right? This is James Connor that we're talking about. They placed him on IR, but that doesn't mean that as soon as the four weeks are up, then he's immediately coming back. I do think DeMarcado is probably the clearest answer for like, if you need a start this week. So I get where you're coming from Murph. I'm there's a lot of ambiguity here and we just don't know, but also people need starters at the running back position here. You have the Denver Broncos, Detroit lions, Jacksonville Jaguars and San Francisco 49ers on by this week. So there's a lot of key players that you're going to have to turn to and plug in here this week and try to fill those holes. DeMarcado, I think is the top answer. Like Derek said, I think it's bridging the gap for both of you. Like DeMarcado, the option, if you need someone this week, and then Murphy, you're saying there's a little bit more opportunity if James Conner does not return right away. Uh, let's send it back to Derek, your number two running back pickup on the week. So I'm getting a little bit concerned. Well, I've actually been very concerned about Damian Pierce for quite some time now, but the lack of efficiency with the touches that he's seen throughout most of the season uh, is starting to catch up with him a little bit because now in two straight games, we've seen Devin Singletary see a minimum of at least 10 carries. He, he saw 12 in week six against the New Orleans Saints right before the bye week. And then yesterday we saw him see 10 carries for 30 yards and still caught two passes out of the backfield. Now, you know, again, those numbers aren't, aren't eye-popping, and he's not outplaying Damian Pierce by such a wide margin that Pierce has completely lost his job yet, but it's something where we're kind of seeing potentially a Miles Sanders, Chuba Hubbard type of situation where we're seeing the backup running back see his role expand on a consistent basis behind the incumbent starter. And to me, they brought in Singletary this offseason for a reason. He has been involved, and his work has been getting you know, kind of an uptick uh, in recent weeks. So certainly Singletary is somebody that is making me raise an eyebrow and potentially worth picking up and stashing um, if Pierce continues to struggle on the ground. And I will say too, you've heard the word, you know, picking up and stashing here from both of these guys here. If you're listening to this podcast and you've heard that several times already here, like these are, these are minimum fat bids. These are not guys that we are talking about going out there and spending 10, 15, 20% of your fab here so far. Picking up and stashing is like a 5%. You pick them up now, you wait and see how things play out. Let's move on to Murph, your number two running back pickup on the week. Yeah. So my number two uh, pickup this week is, is Darrell Henderson. He continues to be the show in town for the Rams. The problem that we're going to have here is just in terms of short time. He's going to have a buy in week 10. So you get one week, there's the week 10 buy, and then potentially you get another week out of him before Kyron Williams comes back, if that's the case. He is the option to own there, um, and he has some good matchups. I mean, the great thing is he's got Green Bay this week, which is a, a great matchup against running backs. They haven't been able to stop the run for a few years down there. So I, I really like the fact that you get Henderson, you're getting good carries at the back. But also, you know, he was a huge uh, asset in the receiving game yesterday. 54 yards uh, off multiple receptions yesterday as well. So you're getting that upside with him as well. And we've seen the Rams want to go down this one-back route as much as possible. They don't fully trust Henderson. He's 
pretty new back to the team. But I still think he, for me, again, if you're looking for options of, I need a starter this week, Henderson against Green Bay, I love it. I think, again, you're looking at the only thing that kind of swayed me to two over one with DiMercato was just that volume. It's just a little bit less, but right. it's still good enough for a fantasy starter position. He's still going to be in that top 25 conversation this week at the running back position because it is so thin with those players out injured and on by. So uh, I think, you know, whichever way you want to go, Henderson, DiMercato, it is a hair's width for me between the two, but I tipped it to DiMercato just on the volume, but I, I like Henderson to pick up. The past two weeks here for Daryl Henderson, and this is coming straight off the couch in week seven up against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Top 24 fantasy finishes in both weeks here. Daryl Henderson getting the job done. Derek, what are your thoughts here on Daryl Henderson? Yeah, that's why he tops my list. I just like the matchup a little bit more. Murph for just this week, right, against the Green Bay Packers as opposed to going up against the Cleveland Browns. I hear you on the volume argument for Di Mercado. Uh, but, yeah, just simply uh, a volume – or, excuse me, a, a matchup play. The volume is still there, seeing a minimum of 12 carries in each of the first two weeks back off the couch. Uh, and then, yeah, that involvement in the passing game. We do have to keep an eye on Matthew Stafford and his health and potentially Brett Rippon getting the start under center for the Los Angeles Rams. But – uh, regardless, I do think Daryl Henderson, I uh, like his matchup a little bit more against that Packers defense for this week, which is why he's my top priority at it running back. We will talk about the quarterback rankings and quarterback waiver wire here in just a little bit. A preview. It's absolutely gross. Uh, let's move into wide receiver waiver wire rankings here for week nine. Derek, I will send it back to you. Number five wide receiver pickup on the week. So we're going back to Arizona. I mean, Murph, we keep going back to the desert. This this Arizona offense presents opportunity on the waiver wire at the very least. And Michael Wilson is someone that I'm still very encouraged by his usage. I mean, his snap count has feel like it's just continues to go up and up and up and up. But each of the last three weeks, he's been over 80% of the snaps he's been on the football field. And yeah, the targets haven't always been there because... Joshua Dobbs is under center and the Arizona offense isn't that exciting through the air and, you know, Marquise Hollywood Brown and, you know, whatever tight end is, um, you know, active that week. And, you know, Trey McBride is somebody that certainly mm. makes me raise an eyebrow, but six targets, four receptions, 58 yards. Michael Wilson's still involved in this offense on a weekly basis. Um, maybe we get Kyler Murray back within the next couple of mm. weeks. Who knows? If we do, then Michael Wilson becomes a whole lot more intriguing down the back half of the 2023 NFL season and maybe even viable in your starting lineup by the time we get somewhere near the fantasy playoffs. Murph, what are your thoughts here on Michael Wilson in Arizona? Uh, I mean, Tate said it all right. It's exactly the same. I've got him at four for that reason. I think this you, you're buying low now. You're buying him now for decent usage, not eye-popping. But at the end of the day, we know Kyler Murray is going to come back. They're not going to sit him for the rest of the season. They are paying him too much money to sit on the couch. So, yes, they're being cautious. They made an investment in Kyler Murray. They have to be cautious. It makes sense. They're not going to make the playoffs this year. So, you know, wait till he's 100%. And also, it's not just physical. It's reps. You know, he's not throwing a ball in a year. Right. So he needs time with the scout team. He needs time just rhythm and, and getting used to being on the field again. That That's... Just because he's not on the injury report doesn't mean he's 100%. It just means he's no longer feeling the physical effects of the injury. He's now got to get game ready. And that's what we're waiting for. So I expect two weeks, could be three. Depends how Joshua Dobbs plays here. But I definitely think before the bye. And then Michael Wilson could be to the moon. It could really, really be a really sneaky bit of business. And if you're preparing for the playoffs, Michael Wilson's almost a must-add here. Because you can get him for a buck or two and you can stash him. And he could be a really useful weapon in the playoffs. Or, more importantly, you're stopping your opponents in your playoffs, grabbing him and using him against you. Yep. It's really interesting, too. You talk about, you know, it's Joshua Dobbs and the Arizona Cardinals offense are not set to make the playoffs. Michael Wilson has finished with more than 50 receiving yards in five of eight games here to begin his NFL career. Yeah. Like, the fantasy production hasn't been there because he's just got one game with two touchdowns. Otherwise, he hasn't found the end zone, and it's not on insane volume. But the talent level is there, and we knew that coming out of Stanford. It was a health conversation with Michael Wilson. That's why he fell. We've talked about him before on the podcast. Definitely worth scooping up here and stashing. Let's move back to Derek, your number four wide receiver pickup on the week. So when looking at the production of the New Orleans Saints passing game outside of Alvin Kamara, of course, uh, over the last couple weeks, two out of the last three weeks, Rashid Shahid has outscored Chris Olave. And that's noteworthy because the snap count is something that has certainly kind of 
caught my eye when it comes to Rashid Shaheed. Sure, he didn't see a ton of snaps against Indianapolis on Sunday, but you know, three receptions, 153 yards, and a score. I mean, of course, that 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 stat line is going to jump out to you. But two catches, 85 yards, and a score uh, back in Week Six against the Houston Texans. He's involved in the offense, and he's a deep play threat. Like this guy is a viable starting option in your fantasy lineup. Sure, he's going to be boom or bust. I get that. But he seems to have a better rapport right now with Derek Carr than Chris Olave. And Olave is going to continue to see more targets. He's going to continue to be featured more in this. But, you know, Shahid has certainly developed a chemistry with Derek Carr. And it's been proven on, you know, almost a handful of occasions so far this season. I'm, I'm all about Shahid being a, like, a, a, a nice dart throw on bye weeks or in deeper leagues if you really need a guy that could potentially boom and get you over the top in a matchup where you're potentially outmatched. Shahid is a usable fantasy asset moving forward. Yeah, you have to put it in the qualifications of this guy is the definition of boomer bust. Like you have wide receiver 53 fantasy finish in week two, 63, 59, 62, 6, 55, 4, <laughs> right? You know, going into Monday Night Football here this week. Like, that is the definition of boomer bust here for fantasy football. But to get that player into your flex, especially in a matchup where you are predicted projected to lose by quite a bit mm. here, that is what you need to do to make up for it. And we talked about this back in, what was that, week five? We talked about Shahid on the Waiver Wire podcast saying, this schedule for Shahid moving forward is absolutely mm. golden. The next two weeks, Chicago, Minnesota, then has the bye, Atlanta, Detroit, Carolina, New York Giants. I mean, it just goes on and on where it's like, these are great matchups for Shahid, someone that I am willing to put into my flex spot every single week moving forward. Uh, Murph, your thoughts on Rashid Shahid? Yeah, I, I got him at three for, for that reason. You know, and on top of that, Coming into this week, he was ninth amongst all wide receivers in ADOT, uh, average set for target, and he was 37th in fantasy uh, fantasy points per route run, um, which, again, these are only going to increase. <laughs> so you're talking about a player who is the definition of a bill bust. If, again, if you're struggling, like I played Taysom Hill in a couple of matchups where I was destined to lose by a, a boatload, and you think, well, you just throw one up to the fantasy guards and you see what happens. And, and do you know what? <laughs> Here's the sort of player you want to have winners. I don't understand this philosophy of having roster clocks where you just have somebody who's going to put up seven, eight, nine fantasy points and, and that's it with no floor, no real, or not a great floor, but uh, no seeding whatsoever. Go for the high seeding place, take a risk. And, you know, it's fun. It's fun when it lands because people just look at you and think you're absolutely crazy. And you just think, yeah, I am. And you know what? I'm okay with that. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, let's keep moving here. Derek, I'll send it back to you. Number three wide receiver pickup on the week. Well, now I feel like I'm I'm going with the ho-hum option that gets you a couple <laughs> points. But jo Josh Reynolds, uh, Josh Reynolds continues to have a role in this offense. And while I actually do think the Detroit Lions could be in play for maybe acquiring a receiver towards the trade deadline in particular, um, that could kind of play on the outside. If they don't find anybody I get that Jamison Williams is the nice boomer bust option, certainly a flashy player similar a la the, to that of Rashid Shahid who can get you crazy stat lines on very low volume. But the involvement of Josh Reynolds has been consistent in this offense, and I think it was the three of us that were talking about Reynolds back in like week two. Um, and you guys were high on Josh Reynolds, and he's been somebody who's been a consistent option for your fantasy lineup in PPR formats. I'm still on board with Reynolds having a, a role in this offense for the rest of the season, which is why he comes in at number three. Murph, did Josh Reynolds crack the top five? For yeah, you? he was at number five for me for that reason. And also let's talk about, he's on buy this week, so you can buy him for a dollar. No one else is picking him up this week. But then week 10, he gets the Chargers who are giving up the most fantasy points to wide receivers. It's the dream matchup. So in week 10, if you've got buys in week 10, it's that little bit of future planning. If you've got some wide receivers on by or uh, you need to plug in a flex in week 10, Josh Reynolds is a really sneaky good play. And you can get him now, pay a dollar or zero dollar bid for him because no one else is picking him up unless they're watching this show. And then all of a sudden you've got that ability plugged in for week 10. You're thinking ahead of the game. And this is where you get to save fab. It's just thinking one move one week ahead yep. of everybody else. So it's a good strategic move. And also he's got that connection with Jared Goff. They played together at the Rams. Three top 36 wide receiver finishes this season. I, I'm on board. I think he's someone who's going to be a viable flex play for the rest of the season. All right. So you guys have both had the same uh, five, four, and three, just in different orders. Let's move into the top two wide receiver pickups on the week here. Derek, I'll send it back to you. Who's at number two? We have a sighting. A sighting. You can look down the scope. You can see him. It's Quentin Johnston, the rookie from TCU. We finally saw 
a glimpse, a flash, some reason to be optimistic about his role expanding within the Chargers offense. Now, Joshua Palmer still played. I think he still played well. Keenan Allen's Keenan Allen. Austin Eckler's Austin Eckler. They're going to be consistent cogs in this offense. But 70% of the snaps is what Quentin Johnson saw in week number eight. That is a season high. Then we take a look at his targets. Six, season high. Season high, five receptions. Season high, 50 yards receiving. Sure, he didn't find the end zone, which makes him an, an ideal guy to go and get this week because now we actually have a reason to be encouraged and optimistic that his role could expand, and he certainly has a very – it's a raw skill set, but it's one that has a very high ceiling with the guy in that offense who can push the ball down the field and Quentin Johnston. I'm interested now – to see what his role looks like heading into week nine and beyond with what was a very encouraging week eight outing. Yeah, the the X factor in all this is Joshua Palmer obviously coming into that game a little bit banged up, then banged up his knee last, last night as well. You saw him come back into the game here, but obviously not at 100% here. So I do think that Quentin Johnson is probably in the classification of like, you're picking him up and you're stashing him. You're like you said, Derek, like you're waiting to see how this all works out. Probably not someone that you're going to confidently start here next week, but I will say pfmfantasy.com, we publish our week nine rankings. I've got my early week nine rankings already out on the site here. We update you constantly here. Make sure to check that out for where exactly Quentin Johnston lands going into week nine. Murph, I will send it back to you. Wide receiver two pickup on the week. Yeah, so my wide receiver two is... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, we're going all the way to New England, and I hate talking about <laughs> injuries, but Demario Douglas is the big beneficiary here of an injury. Um, we've got the unfortunate news here that Kendrick Bourne has got an ACL injury. He is out for the season. That's been uh, that's been confirmed. So Demario Douglas is the guy. He is the guy now in New England, and I don't really love targeting really poor offenses, but unfortunately, and what, what we've seen all season is they have one guy, and it, Demario Douglas is that guy. He is that guy now. So um, he's the guy you've got to pick up. He's worth a good amount of fab. Um, and what we've got here with, with him, he's got a pretty decent set of matchups. I mean, Washington's not necessarily great, but he's got Indy and then the bye. So he has got some opportunity here. 24.1% target share um, in week eight, 77% snap share. All the numbers go in the right direction. You know, Juju Smith-Schuster's not a thing. None of the other receivers, Devontae Parker, is not going to be a thing in this offense. It purely is going to go through Douglas. Whether or not he can sustain the volume with the skill set to remain open is the one question that we have, but we know he's going to be force-fed the targets. We know he's going to get the opportunity to get that, and that's what you're buying into. So that's why he's my number two this week. Uh, Derek, on the YouTube Sunday morning starts it live stream, you got asked a question from one of the members of the PFN fantasy community here uh, about a start sit question with Demario Douglas in it. And I looked at that question and was like, no, do not start Demario Douglas. You were like, start Demario Douglas. Guess what? It was the right call. Uh, what are your thoughts here on Demario Douglas going into week nine? Well... First off, I want to clarify for those of you watching on YouTube, I was not clapping that Kendrick Bourne got hurt. I saw the recommendation from Murph saying Demario Douglas, and I got excited and did like a little air clap, and it was followed by him clarifying that Bourne was hurt. <laughs> we all wish for a speedy recovery for Kendrick Bourne. But Demario Douglas, so he's one of the few guys on this New England offense in that receiver group that has any juice to him whatsoever. And they're trying to manufacture touches. Like we kind of saw with the Baltimore Ravens in week one with like just quick receiver screens, get the ball in space out on the perimeter and let Douglas create. That's what I see him getting those type of plays and those type of looks on a weekly basis, which gives him a decent little floor. But if we see his role expand with his route tree now, maybe running some of those deep vertical routes or deep crossing routes across the middle of the field, and there's no Kendrick Bourne to get him off the football field. I'm not worried about Devontae Parker. All the things Murph said, the arrow's pointing in the right direction. Demario Douglas is the number one guy at the wide receiver position for me. I do think his role expands with Bourne uh, suffering a season-ending knee injury. All right, let's wrap up the wide receiver discussion here. Murph, your number one player to add. Yeah, I've got Jaden Reed. Now, I've, I've been a big fan of Jaden Reed. I've talked about him quite a bit on uh, a few of the other places I write or, or podcast. And I think now we're really starting to see him come into his own. Um, so he played nearly 80% of snaps on Sunday, uh, led the team in receiving 83 receiving yards, had nearly a 15% target share. Um, 
But what we're seeing here, and, and the key thing is, you want to look at guys who are going to get in the box, right? Get in the end zone. Coming into this week, Jane Reed was fourth in red zone targets. And that's huge amongst all wide receivers. So we're looking at where we can sneak and get cheap points. And touchdowns is the cheapest way to get. Anyone that's getting a lot of targets in the red zone, I'm really interested in them. I'm surprised that his, his ownership is as low as it is. But... You know, everything that he's doing right now, we're looking at 28th in fantasy points per route run coming into this week, uh, 23rd in expected fantasy points per route run. Uh, everything he's got going for him, good matchups against the Rams and the Chargers coming up, who are giving up loads of receiving uh, yards and points to uh, slot receivers. It's all pointing in the right direction for Jane Reed. I, I'd be quite happy to go in. And he's had his bye. So you don't even have to worry about that. That is out of the way. So I think Jaden Reed is fantasy viable going forward. I think he's potentially a top 36 option going forward the rest of the season. We're starting to see some clarity in this offense. So I'm buying in on Jaden Reed. I'd already bought in, but I'm encouraging others to join me on the journey. Don't leave me on the hill on my own. And I think that Jaden Reed is someone, too, where the perception of this Green Bay offense right now is that you can scoop up Jaden Reed for very, very mm -hmm. minimal fab. But Murph putting some uh, stamp of approval there on Jaden Reed going into week nine waiver wire. The one player that I did want to discuss here really quick before we move off of the wide receiver position is Khalil Shakir. Now, this game happened on Thursday, so this is, you know, still quite a bit ago where we haven't really had that name fresh in our mind. There are a lot of people that play in leagues where the waivers lock from the Thursday and then, you know, they open back up here as we move into Tuesday night. So thoughts on Khalil Shakir. Is he worth targeting here on the waiver wire after a pretty, pretty solid game here? Derek, I'll send it to you first. It was encouraging to see his role expand and the, what the Buffalo Bills did their offensive game plan was fantastic against the Buccaneers, putting them in a lot of RPO situations, which benefited Shakur, who was a playmaker after the catch. You get the ball in his hands quickly, and he can do plenty of damage uh, against DBs that are trying to get him to the ground. He is a difficult man to tackle in space. So certainly, could he build off of what was a very encouraging performance against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Yeah, I think he's certainly worth an ad. And, you know, if you want to make a case for him over some of the guys in my top five, like Michael Wilson, uh, certainly the offensive arrow and right. ceiling is much higher there in Buffalo than it is in Arizona. <laughs> Murph, quick thoughts there on Kalushka. I'm probably slightly lower down. I think this is one of those freak weeks where they had a game plan. It worked brilliantly against a great defense. You know, the Buccaneers are a top five defense. I think that they didn't underestimate the, the opposition they were playing or the record they were playing. And I think they thought of ways to utilize players on their roster who perhaps they don't have lots of tape on to outmaneuver a very good defensive head coach. I don't think he's a great head coach, but I think he's an amazing defensive coordinator. Um, the thing that worries me about Shakir in this game, less than 4%, uh, so first read share. So he was sort of like a secondary option, a third option a lot of the time. Cover was made against a great Buccaneers defense. They were covering the players that they were supposed to be covering. Shakir's open makes the most of it and i mean it's great that he can get open and it's great he make plays but the fact he's only a first read four percent of the time or less shows that he's not consistently beating his matchups and getting open that's my worry if you're not earning a huge amount of targets because you're not the first read and you're not the first read in the offense that often mostly you're an afterthought and that's my worry is i think this was more of a one-off to me than it is a consistent theme i think it's worth an ad to speculate but just don't expect much like Right. It's kind of one of those. You're speculating to accumulate or accumulating to speculate and see what you get out of it. But I'm less hopeful on him than perhaps some of the other options we talked about. I love that explanation from both of you because I think that a lot of people are going to see that. It's like, oh, he's the starting slot receiver now for Josh Allen in the Buffalo Bills offense. Let me go spend 15% of my fab. And both of you are saying, well, let's let's pump the brakes here. We didn't forget about him. He's just outside the top five wide receivers for both of us. We need to pick him up, stash him, but not necessarily someone that you are expecting big things from moving forward. Let's move into the quarterback position here. Derek, who is a quarterback worth looking at in week nine due to their matchup? And man, people are going to need some help this week. Yeah, in a week that's going to be very, very, very weird for the quarterback position outside of the top options. Gardner Minshew is worth a look. He is. And, you know, it hasn't, it's not always pretty with Gardner Minshew, as we always know. And, but it's, it's normally effective. I mean, he's at least scored, um, you know, 18 fantasy points in each of the last two games. And of course he had that terrible outing against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, and, and I say terrible only because he turned the ball over a lot. He did throw for 329 yards in that game. It was just 
you know, at a high turnover rate and the game script was terrible. But, you know, Gardner Minshew is still producing through the air. And he has developed a really nice rapport with Michael Pittman Jr. and Josh Downs pretty quickly. And Jonathan Taylor continues to get ramped up. This offense feels like it's moving in the right direction. And they're going to be playing against an Arizona Cardinal, or excuse me, a Carolina Panthers team that struggles to put up 20 points on a weekly basis. So I think that the the Colts are going to have plenty of possessions in this game and potentially a, a pretty nice day at the office for Gardner Minshew. Murph, what about for you, a quarterback worth looking at here this week? I still think you've got to go with what you know. And, and you know, Sam Howell, I'm surprised he's still not over 50% owned. With all of the injuries, all the things. Yes, I know the matchup's not great, but the matchup wasn't great this week against the Eagles, and he absolutely torched them. Like, you've got to look at it and think this is a pass-first offense. They don't care. They're just going to put the ball in Sam Howell's hands. Hey, you throw an interception? Don't worry about it. Just keep going. Throw two? Don't worry about it. Keep going. Interceptions are irrelevant in fantasy football. James Winston was a fantasy football star, and he threw 30 <laughs> interceptions in a season. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. They trust the ball in his hands. That's what matters. They're going to let him throw and let it rip. So regardless of the matchup, I don't care what the matchup is. Sam Howell continues to shine. I mean, he put up, what, 30, 31 fantasy points this week against the Eagles? Yep. I think go with the volume. Go with someone who's already shown he can get you a top 10 week. And he's done it multiple times this season. He's got multiple top 10 finishes. I think he's still sneaking into or he is currently in the top 12 fantasy football quarterbacks at the moment. So go with Sam Howell. Like, don't worry about the matchup. I think I'd rather take the chance on someone who has done it this season against good defenses than someone who kind of has done it and kind of has not done it. So, yeah, I'm I'm Sam Howell. But I also like the look of Will Levis. I think, you know what? He looked really good against Atlanta. And that's Ooh. a good defense. Not worried about him from matchup perspective as well, but slightly more risk because we've seen one game. Somehow we've seen a season's worth, or at least half a season's worth. We know what we're getting. It's really interesting with Sam Howell. We've talked about this where he's finished outside of the top 15 quarterbacks in fantasy football just twice so far this season. But the timing of those has been really interesting where it's like we start to monitor mm -hmm. Sam Howell and we're like, okay, I think we can get him into starting lineups this week. And then he finishes outside the top 20, just has like a complete down performance. And we're like, ah, oh, there goes all of our trust in Sam Howell. And then he goes right back to being a top 15 quarterback and top 15 quarterback and producing and and so I think that we're in this, like, we're going to have down weeks from, I mean, Patrick Mahomes this past week, mm -hmm. like, we're going to have down performances from fantasy football quarterbacks. Sam Howell getting the job done and the volume's there. I like the call, Murph. Let's move into the tight end position here. Derek, who's a tight end worth looking at here in week nine? Sam Howell's tight end. <laughs> Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas all day. And the fact that he's not rostered in 50% of Yahoo leagues is, is one that's a little bit head scratching to me. And I, I know that he's been a little bit volatile and you talked about it, Yates, you know, right when you start to trust a right, Washington exactly. pass catcher or someone in this offense and not named Terry McLaurin, boom, they, they, they kick you in the gut and they give you a one catch for two yard performance. Um, but you know, Logan Thomas outside of a couple of those outlier performances where he just wasn't very involved. I mean, you know, in the last three out of the last four games, he's seen at least six or more targets. Last week, he saw eight, six for six receptions, 44 yards in the score. I, I, he's a reliable option at the tight end position. I think he's a fringe top 12 play on a weekly basis moving forward until we see something other than what we've seen from how much Sam Howell likes to throw the ball to Logan Thomas and how much the commanders are throwing the ball in 2023. The exact argument that I just said for Sam Howell of these up and it goes and we're starting to trust and then falls off. It happens. It happens at the quarterback position. It happens at the tight end position. It happens at the running back and wide receiver positions too. Like we get these players where we're starting to trust them and they have down performances. We need to throw that out of the window. Logan Thomas being an absolutely reliable option here for fantasy football. I love the call. Murph, let's send it to you. A tight end worth looking at here in week I'm nine. going with Trey McBride. So we know that Zach Hurts is on yeah. IR. Trey McBride has walked away with 14 targets, 10 receptions, 95 yards and a touchdown which at the tie-in position is a league-winning week. It's a it's a position-winning week. It's huge. And at the end of the day, the Arizona Cardinals on four or five occasions this season now have targeted their tight end on over 10 occasions in a game. Like, the volume is just locked in. We talked about Arizona in the run game. We've talked about them in the fast game. Hey, let's talk about them in the tight end game as well. That matters. So, yeah, I'm with Trey McBride. You're looking at someone with upside of top three, top four, just on receiving volume alone in PPR leagues. You know, if you're in a standard league, yeah, I'd probably go more towards Thomas because I think he's got that more playmaking ability and more likely to get in the box. But I definitely think from a PPR perspective, you've got to pick up Trey McBride because he's going to just get you a ton of receptions every week.
I wrote up an article last week after we got news that Zach Ertz was going to land on IR, talking about Trey McBride on the waiver wire. I was like, yes, he's worth picking up here. However, you cannot start him here in his first week. It's up against Baltimore, right? This is a, a secondary, a defense that is absolutely phenomenal. You cannot confidently start him. And then Trey McBride goes, hold my beer. 14 targets, 10 receptions, 95 yards, and a score. And that, that touchdown was impressive, mm. too. Like, that is an impressive touchdown to be able to get in. The talent level is there for Trey McBride. Derek, what are your thoughts here quickly on Trey McBride? I was right there with you. I was like, you can't start him against the Baltimore Ravens. Like, as much as I, w I was excited about Trey McBride, and uh, like you said, Murph, I mean, I was banging the Zach Ertz drum mm. all, like for the first month of the season going, this dude's getting targets. He's getting targets. And Trey McBride started to see his role expand, and then, you know, Ertz is out of the lineup. Yeah, I like McBride, but just not this week against the Ravens. And so I'm not allowed to say start him this week because I was dead wrong. So you're allowed to take him and take the victory lap because – I missed on that one big time. And I, Hey, I love McBride. I think he's honestly a top, a, a top 10 play at the tight end position mm -hmm. while Zach Ertz is out of the lineup. And the potential that Trey McBride doesn't give this tight end, you know, one role back to Zach Ertz coming off of IR. You get Kyler Murray back. Trey McBride could be in the league winning conversation. I don't want to put my name by that, but mm -hmm. it could be, uh, let's move into DST options here. Very, very quickly. DST options for week nine, Derek. It's time to pick, pick, pick on the pack, pack, pack offense because I do not want to start any Green Bay Packers players this week, which means why not start the defense that is playing against them? And the Rams defense, while not a world beater, and they have a lot of young players seeing significant snaps, I think that they've done, a lot of these young players have done all right with an expanded role, and they've been far better than I thought that they were going to be heading into this season. And the Green Bay Packers right now, they don't feel like they have an identity on the offensive side of the football. They can't establish the running game. Jordan Love led the team in rushing yep. last week. That's to give you an idea with a healthy Aaron Jones, well, I think he's healthy, and then A.J. Dillon as well, doesn't matter. Jordan Love led the team in rushing because they don't have an identity on the offensive side of the football outside of maybe Jaden Reed, like you mentioned. So let's go ahead and pick on the Packers until they show us some signs that they're moving in the right direction as an offense with Jordan Love under center and Matt LaFleur trying to dial up a offensive play calls with a quarterback that I don't think he trusts right now. I, I smell blood in the water, and I'm, I'm going to go ahead and pick on the Packers if I can with streaming options. All right, Murph, for you, who is a DST worth looking at off the waiver wire? I would never normally advocate picking up a bottom 10 DST, but I'm going to do it this week, and I'm going to pick the Falcons. They get the Vikings. Even if they trade for a quarterback, it's very unlikely that quarterback is going to be able to play this week. To come in, to pick up the playbook, yep. it's it's just so unlikely that's going to happen. So you're expecting Jaron Hall, fifth-round pick, to come in, first NFL start? Guy's going to throw INTs. It's it, it's going to happen. The Falcons' defense is very, very good. It's very well coached. It's a very well organized unit. They've humbled some great offenses already this season. Yeah, you talk about blood. This is going to be the. I think it's going to be an absolute bloodbath. I think the Falcons' DST are a top five play this week. Really, just looking at the situation that's there, and I just think you've got to take the advantage. I wouldn't necessarily advocate it, but I think this is just one of those right. opportunities that you can't turn down. And I don't think anyone else is going in on it. I don't think people are going to look too much of the matchup so i think you can get the falcons dst for free i think you can be the lowest priority no one's picking up bottom 10 dst thinking these guys are going to turn up but i think it's going to happen this week i wrote up over at pfmfantasy.com i alluded to it earlier my early week nine rankings and i talked about dst options and i wrote up the falcons and it felt ridiculous to talk about the defense that just gave up four passing touchdowns to will levis in his first ever nfl start but it's like the I mean who are you going to get at quarterback here this week for the Minnesota Vikings this offense in shambles right now with Kirk Cousins most likely leaving for the rest of the year here yes I absolutely agree with this call let's move into top 10 overall waiver wire rankings here for week nine we've talked about a lot of players let's put it all into context Derek run down that list here from 10 to number one all right, going, starting from the top, going number 10, Michael Wilson, number nine, Zach Charbonnet, number eight, Rashid Shahid, number seven, Antonio Gibson, number six, Josh Reynolds, number five, DeMarcado, number four, Quentin Johnston, number three, Devin Singletary, number two, Daryl Henderson, and number one, Mario Douglas of the New England Patriots. Got to feel great having a New England Patriots wide receiver there at number one waiver wire pickup yeah. on the <laughs> Murph, your top 10, number, running from 10 down to one. I didn't talk about him, but Rico Dowdle was a stash play uh, at 10. Something's up with Tony Pollard, uh, injury or otherwise. Three, 
three player uh, three weeks and out of four now he's not finished with 10 fantasy points so they could point to dowdle who get more and more work so keep an eye on that one stash him uh Taji spears at nine zach charbonnet at eight josh reynolds at seven uh michael wilson at six raheed shaheed at five Dwari Douglas at four, um, but I was tossing, switching him with Henderson just before the show, but I keep it him and Henderson kind of in a tie for third. Uh, Jane Reed at two, but Debicardo uh, at one, just for the scarcity of the position at running back. All right, that'll do it here for week nine. Waiver Wire Pickups, Murph, I want to thank you for jumping back onto the show here. What do you got going on this year that people need to know about, and where can they find and follow you on social media? Uh, you can follow me on the uh, Elon Musk Playground, the X, or whatever we're calling it now. I don't really know anymore. Uh, uh, at Murph underscore NFL. Uh, writing a weekly uh, wide receiver cornerback uh, column uh, for Fantasy Pros. Uh, I'm writing here at PFN every Sunday. If you've got any questionable injuries and whether they're going to play today i'm more than likely writing about them four or five maybe sometimes six articles a week dropping here uh, at pfn on sunday morning so do check that out i do have my own podcast the uh, five year rush podcast we're getting close to 800 episodes now uh, here across the pond um <laughs> so we've been going a long time um so join in on the fun there going to be start- starting a new podcast series on that this week uh the strategy files we're going to be talking a lot more about getting your roster ready for the playoffs so very much a strategic less talking about players more talking about the actual strategy of the game so tune in at uh, all good podcast players fiverr rush uh, and you'll find me there appreciate you taking some time out of your busy schedule Murph to jump on it's always fun to do a podcast together remember pfnfantasy.com you can find links to our amazing free suite of tools here the start set optimizer the trade analyzer they're waiting for you to help you as you prepare to dominate your fantasy football leagues this season all right that'll do it for Murph and Derek Tate I'm Kyle Yates thanks for watching and we'll see you next time